from you. I'm going to invite our executive pastor, Jeff Mousa, to come up with us this Sunday morning. Jeff's going to bring the word. And uh, Jeff, man, what a good Sunday. It is. So far, it's been great. The worship was wonderful. It's been, it's been a good year, different year. Different year. But a good year now. So we started the year off celebrating something new for you with, yeah. with Laz. His yeah. son was born. A lot of you haven't been able to see Laz because... Of COVID, we yeah, haven't been able to bring him in, but that was huge. People think I'm making him up. I do have. A He's son. not. I I have seen him. His <laughs> cheeks just, are inflated, really big. He's a you big just boy. want to grab him. Yeah, but you won't. That's not. You can't. You're not Maybe supposed not to now. touch kids no. yeah. during COVID. So, we also, man, you just celebrated a big milestone a couple weeks ago. You yeah. turned thirty. I did. You that's turned right. thirty. So yeah. when you think of this past year, man, what was something that just was disruptive to to the Zane and Tori? family yeah. with last. What happened this year that just was a disruption for you? You asked this question of me first service, so I'm not entirely surprised. But, oh, um, see, I'm pretty good at doing that. So. Every year, we, we actually, Tori and I, have a tradition where we gather at a coffee shop or, or someplace where we can sit and think, and we make you know, kind of a list of the things that we've, we've done well and the things mm-hmm. we need to improve on over a year and some of our goals and expectations and things we want to prayerfully work on for the next year. And we went to Houndstooth down on... Um, down kind of in, in East Dallas area and sat down last year and, you know, Tori was nine months pregnant, felt very much <laughs> like the Madonna sitting there um, at around Christmas time. And we just made this list of what we want our family to look like as we were growing and changing. And, uh, and it's really laughable to look at that list this time this year, right, with our disruptions from COVID and then just normal disruptions of a family and crisis and also just having no idea what it actually means to be a father. Um, so if I could show you that list, it would be laughable. Uh, one of the things on that list was we were really wanting to expand our community even beyond Dallas Bible Church and into our neighborhood with our neighbors in our apartment complex and get to mm. know them better and engage with them and invite them in our homes. And, and a lot of that's fallen flat. Yeah, uh, It's been challenging. It's been a challenging year. But at the same time, Marsha, what a, what a great word. God has been really good through all of that and shows good things. Yeah. That's it. So if you were then this year to grab and sit down and dream, or maybe it's a dream that God gave you even last year or years yeah. ago, when you yeah. think of the Parsley family and this, what you guys would like to see God do, what has God been impressing upon your heart? When we got married, um, we, one of our, our big things that we promised to each other was to create and build a foundation of home for people without home. And my wife has a real gift of making, um, making people feel at home. She's incredible with the gift of hospitality, and that goes far beyond her incredible ability to cook. She just makes people feel loved and, and known and, and included. So one thing we wanted our family to be intentional about was inclusivity for people who don't have a home or are not loved. Yeah. And we want to build that for others. So as I think of 2021 vaccine or no vaccine, we want to be intentional about bringing people into our home and creating a home for them, maybe in creative ways um, that they don't have that's and it. creating a space for them. So that's kind of our dream as we're dreaming about the upcoming year and, and who knows what disruption will come, but that's our, that's our prayer. That's it. I, I'm going to be championing that for you. I'm going to actually give you an opportunity to serve right now. Hospitality, because the table is really way over there. Yeah, I love to. And so we have to bring it over. But the other way, that, and this is for you, one of the ways you can continue to champion Zane is Zane has a hidden talent of making homemade bagels. And so it's not just Tori's hospitality. We can allow you the opportunity to serve in your giftedness and allow you a chance to bless others through this hidden talent. I have partaken once 
but it should happen more Yeah, frequently. anyone's welcome to a bagel. We got donuts out there. Take a box. We have no, I'm not talking about the ones we brought in. I'm talking about the fact that you can uh, make them. They put a microphone on me, Zane. And listen, um, if you have a copy of God's Word, I want you to turn over to 2 Samuel chapter 23. And right now, um, I've not just Zane's stories and Marsha's stories. I'm looking at who's watching us online. Man, the, uh, um, the Arbros, David and Mary, Jim and Diane Blythe. Thank you for joining with us. And Lauren, McDonough, uh, The Shots, Lisa Adams, Gary, it's good to see you. Thank you for being online. Also, Gary, Christmas Eve, it was good to see you then. Marianne, uh, Brenda uh, is on here with us. Mike and Megan, the world's been disrupted. And yet we can still connect together as a community. Um, We can still care for one another. And we're glad that you're joining and being a part of our services today. Something that you need to know about me as you're opening to 2 Samuel chapter 23 is that I was forged in one of the greatest generations of television and movie entertainment. I had MacGyver. I had MacGyver. Not only did I have MacGyver, I also had Indiana Jones. Okay? And it's this combination of, of those two that when you tie in with this heart for Jesus a desire to impact the world, a MacGyver-esque mentality, and an Indiana Jones calling, you end up with somebody who likes to take risk. It's just kind of who I am and where it goes. So much so um, that, that, that begin to carry on in my early days and through college. And then in 2004, 2004, the great artist Tim McGraw Wrote a song about it. Okay? My generation. Help me out for a second. I went, sky, oh, over here, I got it. Yep, skydiving. I went Rocky Mountain climbing. I went 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu. Man, I love deeper. I spoke sweeter. I gave forgiveness. I've been denying. Someday, I'm going to live like I was dying. I have 10 personal value statements on my life that kind of form and keep me on the right path and the right tracks. And number nine is risk-taking. It's risk-taking, that I believe that the Christian life calls us out. Risk-taking is a normal outcome of a life lived by faith. As believers, we should venture out of our comfort and open ourselves to the challenges which promote God's mission. It's this value that has taken me early on to leave the, the, the home of South Carolina and to, to go out into adventures in Colorado and in New Orleans and to the fields, a minefield in a floating village in Cambodia to establish a school and a church. It's the same type of risk that called me early in my life to to get involved in church planning efforts alongside my wife in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, in the middle of a financial crisis that was just going on. The same risk calling that has taken me to not just minefields in Cambodia or floating villages, but to the coffee farms of Guatemala and Panama. It has taken me into the jungles of Haiti, where it's just ravaged with voodoo. 
to establish schools and to see life transformation take place. This risk-taking. Earlier this year, NPR led a broadcast, one of their podcasts, and it, and it talks about this idea of the hidden brain. And in this podcast, it talks about close enough. And the research done is showing that there is a new generation that has come up. And this new generation that has come up believes that we don't necessarily actually have to go whitewater rafting or have to go skydiving or ride a bull. Instead, we can watch it on YouTube or TikTok or or watch it on some type of video. And, and the fact that you are close enough is all you need. You don't actually have to do the risk yourselves. You just have to be in proximity to someone who would do the risk. And that's all you need. I don't think we can step away from what the call and the purposes of God so frequently in this year of disruption. I think God has spoken and has given reminders of things he said in the past or even new passions into your life. And my hope this morning as we look at this story is that you won't fall into close enough and allow dreams to be lived out by others, but instead you will step out into what may be risky and watch God at work. Second Samuel is a unique book because Second Samuel is a historical kind of a storytelling-esque of what takes place in King David's life within the history of Israel. Throughout the entire book, you consistently see two things happening. David Despite failings in his life, he remained faithful to God and God's promises. And then you have God, who's held by an eternal covenant with the nation of Israel. He remains faithful to his promises. David remaining faithful, God remaining faithful. And in the end of this, this book, we start to see at the end of David's life kind of this storytelling of some of the men that were in his life that were warriors for him. They call them the mighty men. There's a listing of 30 and then there's a listing of three. And, and each of these little narratives has just a small purpose of helping tell the grander narrative of God's faithfulness and eternal covenant and man's faithfulness and obedience. And there's this one small story of a man named Shema that I want to bring our attention to this morning. 2 Samuel chapter 23, verses 11 and 12. Next to him was Shema, the son of Aji the Herite. And when the Philistines banded together at a place where there was a field full of lentils or beans. I'm Appalachian. We still say lentils sometime, okay? But beans. A field, that's where they come from. They're not always in cans or bags you put in a microwave. Okay, I, I, let's just, I, online, online show of hands. Did anyone besides me grow up snapping beans and peas with your grandmother in a big metal bowl that you just picked from the farm? Okay, all right. A field full of them. A field full of lentils. Israel's troops fled. Remember, the Philistines are coming. Israel's troops fled from them. But Shema took his stand in the middle of the field. He defended it 
and struck the Philistines down. And the Lord brought about a great victory. The Lord brought about a great victory. In 2020, I believe that some of us have just gotten to this point. We've gotten to a point where we stopped dreaming. Something came in and disturbed our routine. Something came in and and wasn't normal. But for some reason, I keep hearing people say, I can't wait to get back to normal. I can't wait to get back to normal. And, and I hear it, and in, for some reason, it strikes this risk taker's heart and my, this essence, this ethos of who I am. And I'm like, normal's not fun. <laughs> normal's not fun. So, we're, so here's some other leadership mantras of mine. Safety is overrated. Okay? Here's what it is. Safe has plans. Risk has stories. Not only did it take me in this life of trying to live obedient to this, but two and a half years ago, safe has plans. Plans would be that my wife and my children, we would have stayed in South Carolina around family and around comfort and a home. Risk has moving from the comforts of home to Dallas, Texas. In the concretes of the suburbs. Erwin McManus talks about this as not just a 2020 issue, but this is something that's been going on in Christendom for a while. And, and he uses it this way. He goes, at what point? What happened to us as Christians that the movement of Jesus began so early as a movement of dreamers and visionaries? It has become a movement of managers and administrators. My hope as we finish out this year and as we look towards the future that, that God has spoken something deep within the soul of who you are. And my hope is that we can unearth that from the field today and that we can set it out and that instead of trying to manage and administer the work of God, that we would step into the risk and see the faithfulness of God on display. That's my hope for you. Promises and obedience, faithfulness of God, always on display. So how do we get there? We first need to understand the enemy that we're going to face. You see, we often, in our lives, this enemy, we can give it different names. Maybe the enemy is, is the Philistine army that is coming that day to fight you. Maybe the enemy is your work and the stress of it or the lack of work because you lost it this past year, your job. Or, or the, maybe it's in your work, it's just unfulfilled and there's a constant battle you're facing every time. Maybe the enemy is your family. And that strong attachment or that hurt and that pain that was caused and, and you're not sure how to navigate that battle, but it's constantly there. Or maybe within the family there's health or there's finances that have sprung up this year and, and you see this battle and you weren't expecting it and it disrupted everything. And then now all of a sudden you're faced with a, a, a health scare. Or maybe the enemy is just truly Satan, right? coming to attack. Maybe the enemy is yourself. 
and a life full of addictions. And when that battle comes, that stress comes, you step right back into it. And it feels so good to drink away the fear. It's been so good to sleep away the frustrations. It seems so good to flee the fighting and you run. The addiction just overwhelms us and we're stuck in it. And we, we have to understand that the battle is there. The enemy is coming. When the enemy comes, he's coming. He's coming to catch you. He catches you unprepared and easily defeated. You see, the enemy in this story came upon the nation of Israel while they were in a season of harvest. It says that the field was full, that the beans were ready, that they had spent time toiling up the ground and, and getting it nurtured and, and getting it watered and, and everything's happening in the, the nation of Israel, the workers, everyone was prepared for, for what? Joy, joy and rest from your labors. And here comes the Philistine army to just, just come in there. When you were least prepared, you thought you were going to harvest something, and now you have to face a battle. You thought 2020 was going to have vision and clarity, and now it's disruption and disorder. You thought that your family was going to start off on something beautiful, and now you're huddled in a home, constantly attacking each other, wishing you could leave the fences of your neighborhood. When the enemy comes, it comes when you thought you were going to have joy, when you thought you were going to have rest, and he catches us. We're so easily defeated. Why does he come? Why? Why does these attacks, whether caused by ourselves or caused by others, why do they come? Well, they come because the field is full. The field is full. And they want to destroy your joy. They want to destroy the work of your hands that you've created. Don't forget that when sin entered into the world, it was post-creation that God had said all things were good. And at the end of creation, sin enters in and, and it was good. And, and just like that is when the battle comes. And it comes to destroy your crops and it comes to inflict casualties and to wound you deeply, deeply. Here's what happens, though. we got to ask, why did Shema fight in a bean field? Why? What logical conclusion led this man, this mighty warrior, to, to get knee-deep in vines, in muddy ground. Why did he fight in a bean field? Have you ever walked? Some of you may have gone hunting, and you, you get on your briar pants, and it's easy to navigate through the entanglements, and it doesn't really catch because you're protected, and you can walk through it. Have you ever just actually, this is low country South Carolina, Okay, go on oystering or get on the banks of a muddy where the tide has gone out 
and you think your flip-flop's all you need, and you step down in it, and the next thing you know, you're barefoot for the rest of the day, why would you fight in a bean field? The nation of Israel actually fled. See, they were more strategic in their initiatives. They thought that the strategy and what their military background or what every rational person would have done was to flee from the battle. But here is Shema stepping into it. And, and here's what we have to understand. Not only do we have to understand the enemy that is coming and when the enemy comes, we need to understand our typical response. Our typical response as a Christian is that we fortress in and we step back to what's familiar. God tells you to do something, and it's scary, and it's risky, and it's difficult, and all the attachments that come with it. And what do we do? We step back. We retreat, and we build up walls, and we fortress it in. What Shema does is he steps out into the open, into the entanglements, into the muddiness, into the vulnerability of poor military decision, not rational, not strategic, and he stands there, and he prepares himself for battle. He prepares himself. See, I think in 2020, and what we've done is, as these things happen, as frustrations come in, empty churches, things of people leading on facts and science and rational, and it's been a year of fighting, it's been a year of fear. It's been a year of failure. It's been a, a year of, of just constant disruption. And, and what we wanted to do is it's so much easier. It's not just in 2020. We have been doing this for centuries. We step back to the comfort of what's familiar. We step back into the fortress of what is secure for us, what can't be cut underneath us that we have built up with this our own hands and what Shema does is not go into the fortress of familiar but he steps into a field of favor a field of favor the Lord's eternal covenant the promises of the creator that he has heard growing up throughout his life that his commanding officer told him you will have the favor the Lord fights on your behalf don't forget it Shema that step into the field instead of fortressing the dreams that you have instead of fortressing the innovations that you have instead of fighting in conflict and fear instead of retreating step into it the favor is in the field and if I could give you a focus word, or if I could tell you about a dream or a story, I would tell you it's not just going to be for 2021. You need to step into the fact that God's favor is upon your life. He is for you, not against you. The goodness of God is running after you to tell you that the battle can easily be won and to keep dreaming Keep dreaming. When we look at Shema, when we look at him, there's something we have to pick up. We have to understand the faith of the fighter. Not just when the enemy's coming and how he's coming, and not just trying to fortress and step back, but stepping into the favor of God. You have this third element, which is just the faith of a fighter. So I started playing soccer when I was in the fourth grade. 
Okay? I played all the way through college, all the way until 12 years ago, actually. But what you may not have known about me is I was 6'1", 118 pounds. That's Jeff in high school. <laughs> 41 years old, not 118 pounds anymore. Jeff in high school was asked to play sweeper. The sweeper position is the final defender before the goalie. And so the goal is to organize your defense in order to create a, a, a fortress or to keep goals from coming. And typically the strikers are faster. The forwards are faster. They're quicker. And I was consistently undersized. I was consistently undersized. No matter my mind or my ability to put and position our defenders or even myself would come and we would, we would defend well. You know what I learned really frustrates people? When you're 6, 118 pounds and you're the last defender, it's not how big of muscles you are, how far you can kick a soccer ball. It's a smile. Just sit there and look at them and smile. Stop them two or three times. Leading scorer on their team, smile. Nothing frustrates someone more than a smile. Winston Churchill says, give me a soldier who grins. Confidence in what they are. Shema, I imagine, stepped into this field and with the faith and the confidence that the, the Lord would deliver them, that this is the Lord's battle, not his battle. He stepped in there, and I can just imagine the, the bean fields all around his leg, and he's looking straight at the Philistine army who's coming, knowing that the rest of his defense had, had gone to the fortress. Their normal behavior was to flee and get to high ground, and he stands there, and he smiles at the Philistine army. takes faith. It takes courage. It takes faithfulness. It takes initiative to be able to do this. Courage to stand in the middle of the field. Faithfulness to defend the field. And the initiative knowing that it can be struck down. That you're going to see it happen. You're going to see it happen. This year in 2020, I've seen some people step into a field. When disruption is happening all around them, they stand in this field and, and they, they've innovated and they've pivoted. They've heard the promises of God and the purpose on their life and the calling on their life. And they stand there and they just yield themselves with a smile on their face and they grin and they say, yes, this isn't going to be a year of fighting or fear or failure. It'll be a year of favor. Let's see what God's going to do. The first one I want to tell you about is Travis and Beth Burkhalter. Travis and Beth are missionaries down in Bogota region of the Amazon basin. And, and when the pandemic came, what happened was a lot of the migrant farmers were unable to go out and work in the fields. So you had an income inequality beginning to take place where the head of the home could no longer provide for the home and their culture. And they began working with a group and they created this, this foundation that came up from them in Bira Bead Project. And here is a picture of a lady who is just sitting there hand-making beads in the middle of her village to provide an income because of a disruption. 
They pivoted. They are innovative. Or how about conduit mission? Conduit Mission had a goal when, when everything started back in, in May with George Floyd and slavery and Black Lives Matter and all of the, this, this constant U.S. uprising this comes. Conduit Mission goes in. 102 families freed from slavery. It wasn't just going to be a U.S. thing for them. They were going to be global in their approach. They innovated and they said, hey, not just here. We talk about it. Let's do something about it. In Southeast Asia, here's a picture of the brick kiln where 102 families this year were freed. They were indentured slaves making bricks, not just a mom and a dad, but kids as well who couldn't pay off their debt and this was going to be a generational crisis. And here comes conduit to free them. Not just to free them, but they also created a school because so many of them were uneducated. They had dropped below, and now they needed to be re-educated to be able to get fruitful jobs. This morning, some of you will know Abby Weaver. Abby Weaver is one of our missionaries from Dallas Bible Church who God spoke to as a young child here in our services, that God would give you a purpose and a calling, Abby, that he would be faithful to you when you stepped into the field. We're glad to have Abby back, one of the first people watching online with us. Now from Germany, she's here for a few weeks. And so, Abby, what happened this year? What disruptions did you guys face with Young Life in Germany? Good morning, y'all. Um, like you said, my name's Abby. I'm on staff with Young Life Military. So I live in Germany, but I work with American kids who are the sons and daughters of those who are serving in our military. Right now, I'm at a base that has Army and Air Force. So um, February 2019, ministry was thriving. We were having 30 to plus some at our high school club. Our Bible study was going great. Um, we had just kicked off middle school ministry. Um, we're in the midst of planning one of our middle school weekend retreats. And March 15th, um, we went into lockdown. And we currently haven't been able to meet in person since. All of our ministry has been on Zoom with high school and middle school. Um, we actually just went into a third round of lockdown. So Wednesday, our students who had been going to in-person school found out that they were going to be doing remote learning. And we don't know if after winter break, if they're going to be able to go back to school, um, talk about disruption. We try to practice the ministry of presence, showing up for military kids when maybe mom or dad is deployed or they just moved here and so they don't know anyone. And it's kind of hard to do that when, you know, school isn't in session and they're not having sports or extracurricular activities and restaurants are closed and retail shops are closed and just praying for a spirit of innovation and creativity of how we can reach these kids, um, how we can get their attention on Zoom after they've been on a screen for five hours during classes. Yeah, um, yeah that's, that's our disruption in a nutshell, so to speak. Yeah. What would be something that you're dreaming about for this upcoming year, for the future with the ministry? Mm -hmm. So something I'm dreaming about, I love creating spaces for people. Um, I think it is 
just one of the most beautiful pictures of the gospel. You know, the Lord created Eden for us to come into, and he's creating heaven for us to come into. Mm -hmm. And I love creating spaces for people to come into. Mm -hmm. Um, And so something we haven't been able to do is camp or a weekend retreat or anything like that. Normally, we get to go on a 24-hour trip to Scotland with a bus full of high schoolers, <laughs> um, but I don't know if that's going to get to happen. It didn't happen last summer. I don't know if it's going to happen this summer, and so something I'd love to do is create a space, um, whether that's our masks are on and we're social distancing and we're figuring out how to play games and have fun that way, but even for a weekend, maybe not even a full week, but just create a space to where they can come and they can have fun and forget about the pandemic and the stresses of moving and deployments. Um, we're able to somewhat create that on Zoom, but of course it's not the same as being in person. Um, but that is my dream, to be able to at least do something um, for multiple hours in a row together. That's good. Well, our hope is to continue to champion your dreams. Thank you. And to pray alongside you. I know not just those who are in this room, but others who have been watching have come alongside you and we've seen you stand in the field. We've seen you put a smile on your face in the midst of disruption and continue to fight to bring the gospel to so many people, specifically our military family. So thank you, Abby. Thank you. Thank you for being here today. Continue to pray for her as she's here um, and praying for, for her just to her health and the ministry that she has. And it's not just missionaries like Travis and Beth and Abby and Conduit Missions. I've seen others do it. I've seen Rich Vanna, who's a member of our church, take his business that's a restaurant in Frisco. And and as the pandemic began to shut him down, he started pivoting it and made carry out and pickups. And then when they could reopen, and then he had to shut it down and reopen and have to shut it down. And, And now he has Impractical Sandwich, a really quick, easy way to pick up sandwiches from a little trailer on the property. And he's continuing because God gave him purpose. God gave him a calling, and, and his promises were to use it for the glory of God. And if, if that's true, then you innovate, you stand, you're vulnerable, it's risky, and there's attacks coming. But you know the favor of God. You know the victory will come. But not just Rich Vanna. A year ago, we sat in the services, and we introduced you to Stephanie Jernigan and to Jenny Miller, and we talked about the possibility of launching Creation Station, our own ELC, preschool. Fast forward to March, and preschools are all shutting down, and it looked like things were going to be disrupted. It looked like this, this dream that we gave them and we championed them was going to come to an end. And they pivoted and they stood the ground that was given to them they didn't retreat from the creation station instead we saw that the licensing board actually tell them the model that you're doing is the model that will work the best in a pandemic and told our model to other preschools that were happening what about food pantry scaling up from 35 families to over 100 families a month? What about Circle One, who would gather every Thursday, moving their meetings into the parking lots of the apartments and traveling around? 
You see, God calls some people to be dream warriors, to stand in the field and to fight and to innovate. And he calls others of us to be dream champions, to stand behind them, to applaud them, to tell them to go, not to retreat to familiar, but to stand there and encourage and to support with prayer and finances and with our time and with our resources. And I believe that this year, God placed dreams in your life. He has spoken to you, whether this year or over the past five years, over 10 years, and he has called you to something. Just as David was faithful in his calling, and he understood what God was trying to do, and the nation of Israel did it, and God's faithfulness to his eternal covenant, the small part, the battle wasn't Shamas. Verse 12 says, the Lord gave the victory. The greatest champion behind your cause is God. The familiarity of your surroundings of home or of your family? No. It's being willing to step and take a risk and to smile because you have a faithful God who wants you to bring it to the open, to share it with others to tell people what you need, what he has told you and what he wants to do through you. As I wrap up, there's a story by Levi Lusco. And he talks about the pride of lions. And he talks about how that they are one of the most social groups and they go out and as they begin to attack, as the lions begin to attack, they're very strategic. You see, the lionesses will flank the herd, and a few will go to the front side of it. And then the, the lion itself stands far away, not even close to the battle. And he roars. You hear that deep tremble. And the herd scatters right into the mouths of the lions who had flanked them on the sides and had come at them from the front. This year, this year you heard a lion's roar. Our adversary is like a lion seeking whom he can devour. You have fought. You have had failures. You had had fears. You had You had had all this disturbance come up. And what are we going to do when we hear it? What we're supposed to do, the safest thing, is to run towards the roar. You see, if you scatter and you run away, he's right there to destroy you. But if you run towards the sound, if I could tell a cheetah, cheetah, You're faster than a lion. Don't scatter. Run right towards the sound. Run right towards the feelings of insecurity that you have that has trembled from your feet all the way up. Run right towards it into the open. You will find nothing but a lion instead of the whole herd. And you're faster than that lion. You're better than that lion. And there's people championing you. That you, when you face it in the open, put a smile on, be faithful.
faithful. Be faithful. Stand in the bean field, believing the dreams that God has given to each and every one of you. Stop the fighting. Stop the fears. Stop the failures. He is faithful. Father God, we know that you are. We have seen throughout history you take and do mighty things. And God, as we even look upon our own lives, we search this world and we come up empty. Father, we search through all the trials and the fears and God, our praise is all we can give you. Father, it is you who puts everything back together. Your eternal covenant. Your promises. And so God, I, I, I'm ending 2020 not afraid, but God, I'm gonna sit in your favor. I'm gonna stand in your field. I am gonna show you my weaknesses. I'm gonna show you my failures, but I'm gonna be filled with your Holy Spirit and I'm gonna be able to see you do mighty things. Father, I can see you turn mourning to dancing. I can see you turn streams of water into highways and dry bones into armies. God, we have seen you do so many things. God, we're going to see you continue to do these things.